Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Childless Not by Choice podcast. My name is Savilla Morgan. My mission is to recognize and speak to the Childless Not by Choice women and men around the world, reminding you, us, that we can live joyful, relevant, fulfilled, childless, not by choice lives. And whether you have children or not, thank you for tuning in. Well, what is today's show about? Pre and perimenopause. Can I tell you how long I've wanted to talk about this subject and I just finally got around to doing the research and finding out so much, much more than I knew about pre and perimenopause. But before we get into the content today, just a quick thank you to my Patreon contributors. I'd like to thank you for your monthly contributions to the Patreon site. And if you are not yet a patron and you'd like to find out more about how to give, visit patreon.com forward slash childless not by choice. And all of that information is in the show notes. A great big thank you once again to all of my current patrons who are on Patreon. Well, pre and perimenopause. Like I said, I've been wanting to talk about this subject for quite some time. And I do hope that this content helps you recognize signs you may have ignored or missed and how to deal. As I did the research, though, for this episode, I realized that some of the content might be quite triggering. So please know that up front and maybe wait to listen until you are in a good place physically, mentally, emotionally. I mean, I've had deeper episodes, honestly, but I felt, I just don't know, I just felt as I did the research and the writing and the, you know, redoing of of my content that I was like, wow, this, some of this can be triggering. So just know that ahead of time. And there's your trigger warning. Okay. And as usual, as I always say, everything you need for every episode is in the show notes of that particular episode. And the same here, all the links that I used for my research are in the show notes if you want to dig a little deeper than I get here. So according to Let's Get Chat, that's one of the sites that I went to, they say that hot flashes, night sweats, mood changes, and difficulty having a good night's sleep They're all too well known, but most aren't believed to be experienced by many until their 50s. I don't know who the most are, but that's what they say. They say that most aren't believed to feel these symptoms until they hit their 50s, with the average age of these feelings and these symptoms being 51, as far as, well, the United States is concerned. And that's according to Let's Get Checked, which they got their information from the Mayo Clinic. They go on to say that To set the record straight, menopause doesn't happen overnight. They say that your body can take a significant period of time before the menopause transition, and this is known by experts as perimenopause or premature menopause. So if you're experiencing menopause symptoms at a not-so-menopausal age, they say this might be why. Some women might notice certain shifts in their 40s, and some might even notice perimenopausal symptoms as early as their 30s. I guess that's why 35 is that that magic number for if you really want to get pregnant and have kids. So they say it can start as early as your 30s. And symptoms include vaginal dryness, irregular menstrual cycles or heavy periods, hot flashes, a shift in cholesterol levels, sleep problems, irritability, lack of motivation, fatigue, mood swings, or changes. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I never attributed fatigue to the possibility or, or one of the list items of menopause or perimenopause, probably because like you, you know, we're all busy. We are just busy. We're tired all the time because we just have so much to do on a daily basis. So I don't know. Maybe I just never, I never thought about fatigue in that instance. Now, the hot flashes, I can write a book about hot flashes. I mean, right now, and for the last couple of years, I've been taking a supplement that seems to help. Because I'm not a clinician, I'm always hesitant to mention names and products. So, you know, I'm not going to mention the name of the product I take here, but I will tell you that I get it from my local health food store. I did a lot of research, you know, taking many different types of supplements for hot flashes. That was my major problem until, you know, I found the right one that worked for me. I wanted to go the natural way because I didn't want yet another prescription to have to deal with and be in my system and all of that. I wanted something more natural. I'm always up for natural. Hey, if I, if I need a prescription, if you need a prescription, I don't see anything wrong with prescriptions, but I just don't want to be inundated, especially as I get older to be reliant on a whole bunch of prescriptions. And I'm not a hundred percent, honestly, when it comes to prescriptions for menopause, pre-perimenopause, I'm not a hundred percent on board, but that's just me. If you have a prescription that works for you, by all means, you know, because we just want relief, right? We just want relief. Before I change the subject, let me just remind you that, and I'm going to probably say this several times throughout this episode, be sure to speak with your OBGYN or your general practitioner about what's best for you. Every woman is different. And a lot of times doctors like to just prescribe the same thing for the same issues. And we have to remind them that we are different. And so make sure that you're having good conversations and fruitful conversations with your OBGYN or general practitioner. Now, pivoting a little bit, I'm going to be really honest with you. (laughs) I really thought that premenopause and perimenopause were on opposite ends of a spectrum. I mean, I can't explain why I thought that, but that's what I thought. According to Healthline, Premenopause and perimenopause are sometimes used interchangeably, but technically they have different meanings. They go on to say that premenopause is when you have no symptoms of perimenopause or menopause, unquote. I guess that kind of makes sense since pre means before or ahead of, but honestly, peri means about the same or before or near. So yes, it's always good to do some research and and look up the words. Dictionary.com is my friend. So anyway, according to Healthline, they say that you still have periods, whether they're regular or irregular, and are considered to be in your reproductive years. Some hormonal changes may be occurring, but there are no noticeable changes in your body. On the other hand, during perimenopause, you'll start to experience symptoms of menopause. Let me say that again because it seems a little confusing and convoluted to me. Healthline says you still have periods, whether they're regular or irregular, and are considered to be in your reproductive years. Some hormonal changes may be occurring, but there are no noticeable changes in your body. On the other hand, during perimenopause, you'll start to experience symptoms of menopause. Unquote. Now, I don't know about that 
I mean, I believe that if quote unquote, some hormonal changes may be occurring, then symptoms must be evident. I mean, you may realize some time down the line from now in your pre-perimenopause journey that you will look back and say, wait, I do recall that feeling or that episode. But, you know, that's my humble opinion for whatever that's worth. As I continued my research, I came up on WebMD's take on pre- and perimenopause because we always got to stop by WebMD, right? (laughs) That's the American way. They say that perimenopause or menopause transition begins several years before menopause. It's the time when the ovaries gradually begin to make less estrogen. It usually starts in women's 40s, but can start in their 30s or even earlier, kind of what I was saying before. They say that perimenopause lasts up until menopause, the point when the ovaries stop releasing eggs. And the last one to two years of perimenopause, this drop in estrogen speeds up. And at this stage, many women have menopause systems. They also say that the average length of perimenopause is four years, but for some women, this stage may last only a few months or continue for 10 years. They do say one last thing, perimenopause ends when women have gone 12 months without having their period, unquote. Also in my research, I came across a site called ASRM, American Society for Reproductive Medicine. They have pretty similar information. I mean, generally, they all do. Everybody I researched, the information was generally the same. One thing that stood out to me, though, and again, this may be a trigger for some of you, they say that pregnancy is rare, but not impossible. So contraception is still needed to avoid pregnancy, unquote. So there's that. Finally, Franciscan Health. Now, they got straight to the point. I mean, they basically said, quote, your ovaries are shutting down, but the process takes some time. That process is called perimenopause, unquote. I mean, that was straight to the point. (laughs) I was like, okay, Franciscan. But you know, you know, we need to know, we need to know the truth. And they do also say that the first perimenopause sign is typically a disruption of your menstrual cycle. For many women, your period starts earlier or later than normal. For example, if your menstrual cycle has always been 28 days, During menopause, your period could come as early as 21 or as late as 35 days. Some women start skipping months entirely and then experience heavier than normal periods when they do have them, unquote. So although many women have experienced this, if you have not yet, here is your FYI. If your period arrival start times go awry, this may be why. Mine showed up like clockwork. Thanks, mom, for showing me how to count those days. But because I had fibroid issues, my experience with pre- and perimenopause was, I don't know, it was skewed, for lack of a better term. And I will tell you that my experience included that, what I call a man-made menopause and natural menopause. I literally had two sets of menopause. I'm not kidding. When I was trying to buy time, hoping to meet Mr. Wright, I agreed to an intramuscular injection, meaning an injection that has to be injected into the muscle versus just under the skin. And that was used to reduce the size of fibroids. The medication came in a monthly form and a quarterly form, and I tried both. This medication had to be injected by my doctor, and the injection went into the buttocks. That's where they inject. Yeah. So (laughs) I went through menopause twice because the side effects of that drug were horrendous, at least for me. 
I was always upset, moody, short-tempered, just terrible, just terrible experience. I, I eventually advised my OBGYN that I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. It, I couldn't take it anymore. I felt like if he had continued, if I had continued to take this medication, although it was supposedly, you know, reducing and killing the, the fibroids, which was helping my, me buy time, I felt like I was going to have to, to be committed. I'm not kidding. So this is just another reminder that we all, you know, our bodies all deal with things differently. This may not be somebody else's experience with this medication, but that was the experience for me. So that was the man-made menopause. And then after I stopped all that and then went into menopause, then I had the natural menopause. And I'm going to tell you, I think the natural menopause was much easier to deal with, aside from the hot flashes. I feel like the hot flashes were worse when I was taking that medication. They were bad during the natural menopause, but nothing compared to the man-made menopause. I'm so sorry. It was, it was horrible. But I, you know, I had to try. I had to try stuff. I was trying to buy time. Anyway, I will say though that every time I stopped any type of treatment, including this one, during that 10 year period, I, I, I felt so down and dejected. Like, I just wanted to know what I did wrong to be in this situation, that everything that I went through. And I think those who have probably gone through IVF, an IVF journey probably feel similar. I'm imagining I've never been through an IVF journey, but I'd imagine, you know, if you've been through IVF and they just not, they're not working and you keep trying and Oh my goodness. I, yes, on multiple occasions during that decade, I was like, what am I doing wrong? I was trying everything, everything I could to hang on. And I just want you to know that if you are asking the same questions, just know that you did nothing wrong. I don't know your story. I don't know you. I thank you for listening to this podcast. I know that you continue to listen because you're getting something from it. And I am honored to be in front of this microphone speaking to you. But even so, I will just tell you, you did nothing wrong. Life is indiscriminate. It's it's indiscriminate. That's life. So please don't beat yourself up. Do the best you can for yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Care for yourself. Consider yourself. It's not selfishness to consider yourself. Yes, we need to think of others. That's what makes the world a better place. When we consider others, we should always do our best to consider others. But that does not mean that you must not consider yourself. You must take care of yourself. And as I always say, create kind but firm boundaries around yourself and your life. And you can do that. Two things can be true. You can do that and you can care for others. You can care for family members. You can care for nieces and nephews. But if you have other plans, I am so diverting right now, and I'm not even going to stop myself. If you have other plans and you cannot care for the nieces and nephews, and they have parents, then the parents need to figure it out. They should not guilt you into or compel you or make you or threaten you if you cannot assist you know, one time out of 20, because maybe you have other plans, make plans for yourself. Make plans. Your life does not circle around the rest of your family or your co-workers because they have kids and you don't. Your life is what you make it for you. Kind, but firm boundaries. And you can do both. You can have a great life with your family and friends and co-workers, 
and you can have a great life, the life that was created for you, even if it was not the life you initially envisioned. That sound was me hopping off of my soapbox. (laughs) Going back (laughs) to where I left off, find a doctor, an OBGYN, or a general practitioner who is committed to your care. My OBGYN committed to go on my journey with me, and I'm sure he did that for all of his clients, his patients. He did not push me toward the hysterectomy like the first doctor I had just first visit, he told me I needed to just go ahead and have a a hysterectomy. I ran fast from that office and never looked back and got a second opinion. And that's when I found the doctor that I went on this journey with. When I was ready, he was very positive and encouraging, ready for the hysterectomy, advising me that he knew it was a difficult decision, but that I was going to have an exponentially better quality of life. And of course, that's not what I wanted to hear. But in the end, he was right. I have been having a better quality of life. I mean, by now I probably wouldn't be seeing periods anyway, but I mean, the rest of the time after the surgery, I did have a better quality of life. I didn't have to plan for that dreaded time of month and have crazy, crazy, I cannot begin to tell you, it would be too graphic, the accidents that I had and the very last accident I had that that caused me to make the final decision. But I want you to know that, you know, it was a difficult time. I made it through emotionally difficult, mentally, spiritually, everything. Everything was coming at me, but I made it. I mean, I'm still here. I'm talking to you. And so there's no reason why you can't make it too if you find yourself in this particular um, decision-making place for any decision that you need to make, um, not just hysterectomy, but anything else that you're considering doing. If you are or think you are dealing with pre or perimenopause, please talk to your healthcare provider. Be sure to do your own research before you get to your doctor's appointment so that you can have an, an engaged and fruitful conversation with your doctor. Because you, <laughs> you and I know, I don't care where in the world you live, as soon as you get into the doctor's office, they make you wait for 30 minutes at least in the waiting room. Then they make you wait for another 15, 20 minutes in the exam room. And then they come in and when they're talking to you, they're hand is on the doorknob. They're ready to get out to the next patient. So go in armed with your questions and know that you did your research. Let them know that you did your research. Even if you don't tell them, they can tell by the questions that you ask that you did your research. Go into your doctor's appointments armed, no matter what doctor it is. Don't just go in and sit down and let them tell you stuff and tell you stuff and then they walk out after five minutes. That's not what a doctor's appointment is. A doctor's appointment is you both engaging in your care and you do that best when you've done the research before getting to the doctor's appointment. And you notice, I always say to get a second opinion, even change doctors, like I just said earlier, if you feel your doctor is not listening. You know, pre and peri and menopause are the areas where I hate to paint with a broad brush. I don't like it at all. But, you know, I've heard from so many women from all walks of life, women with plenty of money and women with not much at all. And no matter what walk of life they come from, they say that their doctors are not listening to them, especially in this area of pre, peri and menopause. They just prescribe something. I've been prescribed something to calm my nerves. I bet you've been prescribed something to calm your nerves. And it's not that simple. 
It's not that simple to be prescribed something to calm your nerves. And you know what that something is I'm talking about. So don't just accept that calming prescription is the only way to fix these issues. Do your homework. Do your homework. Do your homework. (laughs) I've said it a million times in this one episode. Get a second opinion. See what your hormone and estrogen levels are. Get your labs done if you are in a place where you can. See what your doctor suggests. See what is available over the counter. And know your body. I I can't say it enough. Know your body. Listen to the signs. Don't blow them off and think, oh, that's just me having a bad day. And you you've been having a bad day for three weeks. Listen to your body. You're you're the it's your body. Nobody else has your body. Nobody else is in your body. Nobody else understands your body. You've been in this body for several years, I'm sure, by the time you're listening to this episode or this podcast. Even if you're in your 20s or 30s, you know your body. Trust your body. Trust your gut. And I can't say it enough. Do the research. Know your body. Do your homework. Okay? I think I've, I think I've said it a million times. I've said it enough this episode. I really, like I said earlier, I really wanted to do this episode and I've learned quite a bit in the research I did. I have one, two, three, four, five research links in the show notes and uh, I'm maybe putting one or two articles of interest or a previous episode in the show notes. Of course, my contact information is in the show notes. And if you have not listened to any other episodes yet, this is the March 2022 episode. I'm sorry, but maybe it's because it's my podcast, but I've had some awesome guests on. All of my guests have brought so much to you, the audience, the listeners of the Childless Not By Choice podcast. I've had some fabulous guests, you guys. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had several people reach out for interviews And I'm trying my very best to make sure I bring people before you that bring value. And if I ever have to turn anybody down, it's it breaks my heart because it's not the first choice. And some people may agree or disagree if if I turn down certain requests, but I I do everything with my heart in the right place. And I want to make sure that I'm bringing people and information before you that I think will help you. And I know there are other podcasts out there. There are other Childless Not By Choice podcasts, but this is not a competition. And I know that my voice may resonate with some people and maybe not others. My platform may resonate with some people and not others. And that's fine. But please know my heart is always in the right place when I'm trying to bring the best content I can before you. And I hope that this episode did the same for you as well. But the reason I bring that up is I want you to listen to all of the other the episodes. Don't just listen to this going forward. Try to go back in the library and listen to previous episodes. I, I'm sure you'll get something out of all of them. And until next time, have a great month of March. Bye. Bye.